Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, I'd like to take a fresh look at the foundation for what makes Christianity really work. What is the difference between Christianity where you're just going through the motions and saying all the right things, but not really seeing its power work in your life versus victorious Christianity, where the power and the promises that we see in scripture flow through our daily lives? We'll take a look at that today. Before we dive in, I wanted to remind you that there are only a few weeks left to register for one of our upcoming discipleship programs at Ellerslie here in Colorado. If you would like a season to just come away from the distractions and busyness of your daily life and sit at the feet of Jesus and connect with other like-minded believers from all around the world, I invite you to join us for either our week-long or our five-week discipleship program. There are only a few spots left for this year's programs, so if you'd like to join us this year, hop on to ellerslie.com and you can get the information there or just click the link in this podcast description. We'd love to see you in Colorado this year and invest into your spiritual life. Let's talk about what makes Christianity really work. Defeated Christianity is not only common today, oftentimes it's even promoted and applauded. I remember a number of years ago standing in a coffee shop and looking at a flyer that was hanging on a bulletin board that was trying to promote a local Bible study for Christians. And it was trying to recruit new members. And it said something like this, only come to this Bible study if you're willing to finally be honest about the fact that your spiritual life is a mess and always will be. And I remember looking at that flyer thinking that is really sad that that's the kind of Christianity being promoted and even applauded today. And I actually knew the people who were leading this Bible study. It was a husband and wife who had tried to live up to the standards of scripture. They had tried to see the promise and power of God realized in their lives, but it hadn't worked for them. And so they had come to the conclusion that victorious Christianity was just sort of an unattainable standard. And the best way to approach Christianity was just to be honest about the fact that we're wallowing in sin and we're under the thumb of sin's control. And the sooner we admit that and just accept that, the better our Christianity will be. That was sort of their perspective. This is really not an unusual story because, as I said, today, defeated Christianity is not only just accepted, but oftentimes it's even celebrated and promoted. And sometimes victorious Christianity, the idea that that victorious, triumphant Christianity is even possible, is viewed as an unachievable fairy tale. In fact, some Christians who really desire to go after something more in their walk with Christ start to feel ostracized or even criticized by their fellow believers. But it's actually not supposed to be that way in the body of Christ. Early in our marriage, Eric and I grappled with these issues quite intensely because we were reading scriptures such as, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ, 2 Corinthians 2.14, or Romans 6.12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust, or Galatians 5.17, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, and so many other scriptures about this triumphant Christian life, this life that was exuding love and faithfulness and joy and peace and victory over sin and fear and doubt. We wanted those victorious words of scripture to reflect the reality of our daily lives. And we really desired to have consistent victory over sin and live out a vibrant Christian walk. But there were a lot of obstacles standing in our way. 
the pressures of life and ministry and the cynicism and defeat of other Christians that we knew really took their toll. And sometimes it caused us to wonder if we were just chasing a fairy tale. We were really wrestling with what we saw in scripture and what we saw in the lives of most Christians and even what we saw in our own lives a lot of the time. In the midst of that struggle, we stumbled across an incredible bit of encouragement from Hudson Taylor's biography. Hudson Taylor is known as the father of modern missions, and he was a world-changing, vibrant, victorious Christian who built his life and ministry upon the victorious promises in God's word. But most people don't realize it wasn't always like that for Hudson Taylor. He wasn't just born into this victorious Christian life. In fact, early in his Christian walk, Hudson Taylor was actually controlled by doubt and discouragement and defeat. It was only when he came face to face with a critical truth from the word of God that his spiritual breakthrough came. And that was the principle of abiding in Christ. He began to understand the reality of Colossians 1.27 that says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So just as a branch clings tightly to the vine in order to produce fruit and be healthy, Hudson Taylor began to cling to Christ alone as his spiritual life force. And that is what brought him from defeat to victory. He wrote this, It was in blessed reality, Christ liveth in me. And how great the difference. Instead of bondage, liberty. Instead of failure, quiet victories within. Instead of fear and weakness, a restful sense of sufficiency in another. Reading those words from Hudson Taylor and seeing his testimony was a great reminder to Eric and I that vibrant, victorious, fruit-filled, joy-filled Christianity was not just possible, but it was actually God's intention for us through Jesus Christ. And so early in our marriage, even though a lot of other Christians scoffed at the idea of victory, we began to pursue it with all of our heart, with all of our might. And we discovered the very same breakthrough that Hudson Taylor described, not by trying to rise up to these high standards in our own human willpower, but by learning to abide in Jesus Christ, by letting him live in and through us the victorious life that we could never live on our own. And it wasn't that we never struggled with sin or temptation again, but we now had the spiritual tools to say no to sin's controlling power. We were no longer serving sin or under the thumb of sin's control where it had the upper hand in our lives. We had what we needed to understand how to be victorious and what a life-changing difference that made in our lives. All of us need to make a decision of how we are going to respond to these epic, amazing, victorious words of scripture. When we catch a vision for what God intended Christianity to be and how he intended us to live, there are really three different ways that we can respond. And the first one is what I was referring to earlier with that husband and wife leading the Bible study, and it's becoming cynical, becoming a cynic. This is a very familiar scenario today. If a Christian sees the epic commands and promises in the Bible and then tries to live up to them and then realizes that he just can't do that, he often will assume that God never intended for him to walk in victory in the first place and then resigns himself to being under the thumb of sin's control and then reinvents his doctrine to fit with his own experience. This type of Christian usually accepts a sloppy version of Christian living and has this attitude, well, I'm a mess, you're a mess, we'll always be messes, but at least we are finally being 
honest about it. So this idea of just being honest about the fact that you're constantly struggling with sinful vices and the controlling power of sin over your life is looked at as spiritual. That's what it means to become a cynic. The other option would be to become a legalist. We see this often in the church today as well. It's on the opposite end of the spectrum. It's a Christian who tries to rise up to the high standards of scripture by sheer determination or discipline or human willpower. This type of Christian really quickly becomes enslaved to self-imposed rules because he believes the only way to live a successful life is to be just in bondage to humanly constructed restrictions. And those kinds of Christians often place their trust in a list of do's and don'ts rather than in the person of Jesus Christ. So if you have ever been a cynic or a legalist in your Christian life, you probably know that neither of those responses actually brings true joy or peace or freedom or victory. In fact, the opposite is true. But there is another response that many of us overlook when we are pondering this amazing call to the victorious life that we see in in scripture. And that is the option of becoming a branch that clings to the vine. Elizabeth Elliot said it so beautifully, God never issued instructions that he does not equip us to obey. And what does he equip us with? He equips us with himself. Jesus gives a very simple and straightforward answer to the question of how to live out the impossible calling that he has placed upon our lives. He says, abide in me. He doesn't say, here's a big list of rules you need to follow. He says, abide in me. In John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. On our own, triumphant Christianity is impossible to achieve. Any more than a branch can produce fruit while laying detached from the, from the vine, laying on the ground by itself. But when we are in Christ and he is in us, That's when our Christian life can flourish and thrive without striving and effort on our part because we are connected to the vine and Jesus himself becomes our spiritual life force. That is what Paul meant in the verse in Philippians 2.13 when he said, it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Hudson Taylor described it this way, the branch of the vine does not worry and toil and rush here to seek sunshine and there to find rain. No, it rests in union and communion with the vine. Let us so abide in the Lord Jesus. What a beautiful picture of the victorious Christian life. It's not a sloppiness towards Christianity where we throw all standards to the wind and say, we'll never, we'll never live victoriously. But it's also not this legalistic approach where we're just enslaved and in bondage to striving and effort and do's and don'ts. It's this purposeful abiding in Jesus Christ and letting him pour his life and his power and his ability to live out this impossible calling in and through us. Corey Ten Boom described the principle of abiding in Christ using the analogy of a hand in a glove. She said, I have here a glove in my hand. The glove cannot do anything by itself, but when my hand is in it, it can do many things. True, it is not the glove, but my hand in the glove that acts. We are gloves. It is the Holy Spirit in us who is the hand who does the job. We have to make room for the hand so that every finger is filled. What a great picture of the abiding life. I in Christ and Christ in me. That is the secret to a Christianity that actually works. 
Abiding in Christ means refusing to disconnect from the vine, refusing to depart from your life source, Jesus Christ. It means letting him live and operate through your life, enabling you to do what you could never accomplish on your own, just like that glove can only move and act when it is occupied by the hand, and and just as the branch can only produce fruit through the life of the vine. To abide literally means to endure, remain, dwell, continue, and stay in Jesus. And anything good that flows from our lives can only come from that place of abiding in him, of letting his life and his power flow through us. This is how Andrew Murray said it. However strong the branch becomes, all its beauty and all its fruitfulness ever depend on that one point of contact where it grows out of the vine. So it must be with us too. There is not a formula for the abiding life because the abiding life in Christ is a posture of our soul. It means cultivating a continual dependence on him and a continual availability to him. It's made up of so many small decisions throughout every day, not to merely fit him into our lives, but build our lives around him. So I want to share a few practical steps that have really personally helped me remain clinging tightly to Christ as my vine, even in the hustle and bustle of daily life. And some of these are things I've shared before, but again, abiding is not just going brain dead toward our Christianity. It is a purposeful act of seeking Jesus first, of drawing near to him, of immersing ourselves in his truth, of understanding who he is and communing with him all throughout the day and yielding to him so that his life and power can flow through our lives. So here are some practicals. Find a quiet place to be with him every day, even if it's a closet, or it could even be the corner of a dorm room with your headphones on, with worship music playing, if there's really no place you can truly go to be alone. But find that place where you can get away and be in his presence every day. Silence distractions, those devices and dings, so that you can truly have a quiet heart before him. Ask him to speak to you in your innermost being, and he will. When we still and quiet our hearts before him, he delights to reveal his truths and his nature and his guidance to us. If you truly cannot get away from noise, maybe you're a mom with young children, be purposeful to keep the gaze of your soul fixed on him, even as you are busy serving your family or serving others. Journal your prayers to him and pour out your heart to him. Share your struggles, your fears, your needs, your longings. He is the best listener you will ever find. And I love journaling my prayers because it helps me articulate what's happening in my heart. And I love looking back through my journal years later and seeing the faithfulness of God. Don't be dependent upon emotions. Make Christ a priority, whether you have strong spiritual feelings or not. A lot of us base our our thought of where we're at spiritually based on if we have these amazing mountaintop spiritual feelings. But abiding in Christ is not dependent on feelings. It's a decision of the will. Practice turning to Christ the very moment something difficult occurs, no matter how small, even if it's just in the quietness of your own heart. As Amy Carmichael said, he is so near that even a whisper can reach him. Talk to him during your daily pauses. Instead of just automatically scrolling on your phone or doing other mindless activities, use those moments when you're sitting at a traffic light or sitting in a waiting room or just doing something around the house where you just have those moments where it's quiet. Talk to him in those moments. Limit your time on social media or mindless texting or other time wasters in your life so that you really do have more time 
to be in his presence. Listen to audio scripture and sermons and Christian biographies throughout the day to fill your mind and your heart with his truth. Memorize key verses and repeat them throughout the day whenever you have a moment's pause because Jesus is the word of God become flesh. So when you meditate on his word, you are meditating on who he is. You can also place key scriptures in strategic places around your house, in your car, and look at them often to be reminded of his truth. And then as Corey Ten Boom said, schedule an appointment with the Lord and keep it, even if it means making sacrifices in other areas. You can also bookend your day, start and finish your day with small nuggets of powerful truth. I love the classic devotionals like My Utmost for His Highest, Daily Light, Streams in the Desert, and Parables of the Cross because they are so rich with powerful bite-sized truths from the Word of God. As we are talking about entering into this abiding life with Christ, it is so critical that we understand his heart toward us and his desire for deeper fellowship with us because Jesus is not scowling at us in disapproval, annoyed that we aren't there yet when it comes to the abiding life. Our desire for a deeper relationship with Christ is not one-sided. He is gently, lovingly, tenderly, longingly inviting us into a place of deeper intimacy with him. He is ready and eager to fill us with everything that he is. During the Last Supper, Jesus offered communion to his disciples as a symbol of the covenant relationship that he wanted to enter into with them. And it was a precious, sacred, intimate bond between the King of all kings and those that were called to be his disciples. Jesus made an astounding and beautiful statement about this significant act in Luke twenty-two fifteen. He said, with fervent desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you. What an incredible picture of his desire for intimate fellowship with us, for that abiding life. He longs for unhindered fellowship with us, just as we desire fellowship with him, with fervent desire. He tells us in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. He is standing at the door knocking, eager and ready to enter into intimate fellowship with us. And from the moment we open that door to him, he will come in and fill us with all that he is. So let's respond to his invitation with a wholehearted yes. The victorious Christian life is not a fairy tale. It's not for a small handful of super spiritual and special believers. It's available to each of us when we are willing to cling to the vine, Jesus Christ, and let his supernatural life flow through us. And that's an amazing privilege. I'd like to finish with this beautiful picture from Hudson Taylor. He said, abiding, not striving or struggling, looking unto him, trusting him for present power, resting in the love of an almighty savior in the joy of a complete salvation. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into the victorious Christian life that God has called us to and the enabling power of God to live that out, visit us at setapartgirl.com and see the many articles and other resources that we have for you there on building your life around Christ. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.